What's up, Painless Flipping Podcast listeners? Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something special for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of joining an amazing podcast, and I wanted to share that conversation with you all. It's a fantastic discussion you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into that crossover episode and hear what we had to say. Enjoy. Welcome to the Painless Wholesaling Podcast, Investor Thrive Nation. Right now, I have some amazing guests with me today. We got Evo and Annie, the owners of Batch. And today, we're going to dive into their start, how they got going in batch so i'm excited to interview them i love batch leads i use it in my business so i wanted to get a hold of the owners and ask them how they got started let's talk about the beginning like how, how did you guys get started i guess in real estate so honestly I, i've asked myself that question like kind of what got me originally interested in just in real estate in general and it uh, just probably goes back into just reading some books i, I remember reading um you know robert kiyosaki's you know, fam- famous book a long time ago that was in 2006 or 7 at the time i was still in high school and then i started getting my real estate license before i was 18 so i started the class in 17 and i took the test right when i turned 18 and it wasn't until about a year after Afterwards, that I end up deciding to buy uh, a fix and flip property with uh, one of my best friends at the time. And, you know, I never had interest in actually pursuing real estate from an agent perspective. That's not what I wanted to do. And we bought a property right at the downturn. It was, we bought it in 2000. I could probably go back and check and see the, you know, the, the history. Mm-hmm. Um, but we bought it 2008. In March, I think we spent four months just renovating it. We ended up fixing and flipping the house. We made uh, 26 gain profits, but it gets split in two. That was my basically my first uh, got hooked. So then I started doing uh, fix and flips by myself. I ended up buying a lot of uh, auction properties at the time. And 2009, that's where I bought you know, I think four properties that year. And for me, it was a part-time business though until 2015 really and 16. We can get into that, but it was really a part-time business at the time. I was also working at our you know dad's plumbing company, which ended up being a, a air conditioning company. Uh, later on and then the house flipping business was pretty much after hours for me that's awesome you're able to juggle all that and i'm just thinking like man in high school you read that book and then right after you got your license and you're rolling like i guess what gave you that interest in real estate in high school i feel like most kids in high school are like they're not thinking too much about real estate at least i wasn't i don't know i just always like kind of knew what i wanted to kind of do and pursue in my career just being an entrepreneur and real estate was just a vehicle for me to you know get there so you brought us to about 2015 how about you kind of bring us to 2015 and i'm assuming that's when you started maybe working together roughly i want to say a couple years before that is when we started working together but it more so in our family business as he mentioned my dad's uh, plumbing company that then went to an ac company that then transitioned into a construction company so even my dad were head of pretty much the construction company and we say construction company like don't think multiple like it's three people pretty much in the back end me evil and my dad and then we had like three employees and then at that point i started getting a kind of an interest in real estate because i mean you have boy genius over here being your role model so having him as a role model we started looking at doing fix and flips we did i think one together and then we started doing that separately so i did my fix and flip he did his and we were still doing the construction company but i felt like at that point we were doing a part-time construction company we were focused more on like our individual efforts and at one point i think we realized that our combined effort is a lot it will go a lot farther if we work together we can hammer out a lot more properties i think the 
the first year of working together, I want to say we did about 30 fix and flips. So it was a large operation at that time for us, right? It's two people running 30 flips yeah, uh, in a, a year. It was a lot, right? It was a big learning curve as yeah. well. Yeah. How were you finding most of the deals? I mean, 30 is quite a bit to find. Wholesalers, MLS, cash offers for a lot of them, but majority of wholesales. And it was at one point that he brought up on like a HUD statement. And he's like, what is this assignment fee? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just like random like title fees, escrow fees. No one knows these fees, right? So then he called the title company asking what that is. And he found a Thanksgiving Black Friday promotion for a Sean Terry seminar. It was two for $99. So then we went to our first event that got us introduced into wholesaling, what that world looked like, what that meant. There we met a good amount of people that we still are very closely connected to. Yeah, Brandon being one of them. Brandon, one of them, yeah. He's actually who introduced us to our current business partner, Jesse Burrell. That's actually how I know you match as well as through Brandon because I was coming down for a podcast for um, Steve Trang and he introduced me to Steve and then Steve, whenever you go on his podcast, he gives you a bunch of people to reach out to. Mm -hmm. So I just reached out to Jesse. We met at the old office talked to uh you know alex and kyle and you know i've been working with you guys ever since so crazy how networking can get people to like new levels right so now you started meeting through sean terry's course do you feel like you picked up like how to wholesale like immediately did it take some time did you start wholesaling deals or were you just like what happened at that point so we're in the seminar he's like oh okay i can do this and he knew that one of his friends was looking for a property and he's like oh i just had this deal sold to me so he forwards it with a 5k markup and he sold it. That was his first assignment in the event. So the first wholesale transaction that he was a part of was during that event, the first four hours of Sean's event. So that's how we knew it worked. I love it. I think that's like one of the biggest obstacles is actually picking up the phone and talking to for people. Sure. For a lot of brand new people who want to invest because they're like, they want to like be know everything before they do it. And that's just not how it works. I'm yeah, sure. you're going to make some mistakes. I think some of the things that has helped us get to where we are today is just we, we always like try to, you know, put our best foot forward and we take action. And whatever sticks, sticks and whatever doesn't you got to figure out where you made a mistake and readjust basically but at that point afterwards you know like the the way it transpired afterwards is we started doing into like like banded signs afterwards i think the next step we took was i started doing uh, door knocking like Mm pre-foreclosures and that's another deal that i got Uh, and i ended up looking that deal actually afterwards it was on caxon like 35th avenue but Mm -hmm. we ended up locking the deal we sold it for like nine thousand bucks and then obviously that that grew into you know our scaling our wholesaling operation we ended up getting an office and then we ended up getting invited to brandon's uh, go-giver mastermind where we Mm -hmm. met more just people in the industry we started networking with them jesse was one of those people and that's where you know i reached out to him saying hey like brandon asked me to you know reach out to you see if i can help in any ways like maybe with something with systems or processes and he's like well i can probably help you with some sales kind of oriented stuff so we just uh start kind of helping each other and that uh, transpired into basically us merging a lot of our wholesale operations because at the end of the day i was like a lot of times i was basically doing basically i was or- organizing our like list and marketing efforts and then i had to help him do the same so it was just right. a very it was double effort, double double the effort basically wow yeah so we ended up merging a lot of our operation and that's basically how we partnered in the name batch leads it just clicked for everybody like how did that come about oh, that? the name was batch lead stacker actually because we were stacking leads that was nice. the original kind of like mini version of what batch leads is today oh, the first name obviously batch skip tracing came first from then it was like okay so how do we keep the same like momentum we have with batch skip tracing because everyone knew us for the data 
the quality of our data. So we're like, how do we now market this new product to still have that batch presence, right? So if they know us for our data here, they're going to understand that, that we're valuable in, in this sector that we're trying to grow in. And in the beginning, I don't think we had skip tracing integrated in batch leads. So we're like, okay, so we'll just kind of batch something so that people know it's, and we can still have like our batch B, right? It's still going to be under that batch umbrella. So that's kind of how we're like, okay, so what can we do? And batch lead stacker came up and that was too difficult for marketing purposes it was too long so we're like okay so what do we do we renamed that a couple of months later to batch leads and that's pretty much it Damn. that's an amazing story because you're saying you didn't even think about it like building the business of like batch leads right it just happened what was your biggest mistake or maybe a side product that didn't work because i think people they love to hear like the highlight reels right they want to yeah. see what succeeds but they also i think people like to hear like what didn't work and what did you overcome yeah, we end up creating a lot of different like you know so we had like an sms platform from at the time like long time ago this was in 2007 18 actually 2018 probably yeah, really 19 yeah, 2018 18. i think it was it was a, really like an sms platform that i was I, I bought a source code of some kind of platform first of all i tried to actually automate an sms platform for our own kind of internal needs and we were using I shouldn't say the company's name it was like a big big telecommunications right. company that we were using and we created this script that runs and automates a lot of stuff on top of it and that got shut down like in like probably three days the idea didn't work then we end up basically utilizing another like white label of another like, kind of like a bigger telecommunications company that didn't work you know from a lot of marketing there was a lot of issues with support and just in general and it just didn't work like even we had like a different even name at the time for a lot of these things you know we had really re estate lists that we tried launching that didn't really like uh, we're gonna be coaches be because yeah we were thinking to should we go into like coaching because we have we've kind of gotten a lot of um you know experiences along the way should we kind of go into coaching uh, we spent a bunch of money on that as well like yeah. just doing a lot of courses that never launched by the way it was a quick decision to shut it down do you kind of feel like maybe you make a mistake like on focusing on one thing when you pick one thing you're like man we should have focused on that as you go through that path like the way i see it and you know even like i can relate that to a lot of how like the products are built nowadays not just you know in, in our company but generally how like software products are built it's more of the agile methodology where instead of like the opposite of the agile is just a waterfall method where you spend you know years of creating this perfect software as an example and then it releases and that's what happened i'll tell you like with a lot of the Microsoft in the early 2000s where they, you know, spend, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years just building a perfect software. And when it launched, it was just a complete failure. Whereas nowadays, from a lot of the, the way software companies iterate is and create products is more on the agile. Hey, I'm going to basically create a prototype MVP of the, the product that I'm trying to build. I'll get a lot of feedback and I'll just keep adding features basically. But every two weeks, the idea is that every two weeks, I mean, this is just more product, you know, uh, just around how products are built. But every two weeks, you're releasing like some updates to the product to, and the idea is that you're just constantly improving are you focused solely on like working with real estate investors or is it venturing off into you know other industries as well now because i know every industry needs data yeah we're doing a lot today to be able to support other industries and we do have even today it's going to support multiple industries now this is where it goes into how many industries it's going to support what's your outlook on data do you feel like in the future there's going to be more data and it's going to be more easily to like get more information or do you think it's going to get restricted somehow data is the new gold like i mean data is the most expensive resource yeah. in the world basically at this point and you see obviously with everything happening with you know the ai the generative ai all of the stuff it's it all feeds you know, data's fed into that, that machine. So it's just gonna get more and more prevalent in our lives. Now, as far as a lot of restrictions, yeah, they're gonna, there's gonna be more restrictions, but 
the amount of you know data that gets bought and sold and utilized across the world is going to be enormous. That's interesting. I'm curious of like for data, like you guys are focused in the United States, right? Are you looking into maybe getting into like Canada or other countries so people can maybe use that data to like wholesale or uh, buy properties there? Maybe eventually, but that's really the focus that we're trying to. There's just so much more opportunity yeah. even in the U.S. for of us. Course. I've been asked even, I remember you know, even a few years ago, it's like, hey, can you... Uh, have the same type of data and for wholesalers in the UK is an example that people ask me and like maybe one day for us you know we wanted there's a lot more opportunity in the US and just being focused and again like you mentioned there's different verticals that we have to go into and that we can go into I just find it very interesting data right or because everybody is on the device now right so that's like attention is the new goal right the more attention you can have whether people are on social media or anything like that's where they're gathering their data I think it's amazing that you've gone into this frog because real estate is amazing right it's always gonna be there but data I'm excited for you uh, in your company because it's just going to go grow and grow and grow. Yeah, data is going to eventually get, you know, a lot of the data is going to get, you know, commoditized and, you know, we're looking into a lot of different areas as far as how do we basically create first party data insights that nobody else could have. So for instance, you know, people utilizing our products, how do we take a lot of that data based on, you know, the way you use the products and what do we know about how you, everything that you do about around the products, how you mark leads and stuff like that. How do we basically enhance our data model to be able to have a first party data basically and that's basically data that's only going to be unique to us at that point. But you know a lot of the data is going to, I do see in the future getting just commoditized, you know, property data, things like that. That's, you know, eventually I think that's what's going to happen with a lot of this data. But it's the companies that are going to succeed are the companies that are going to implement a lot of machine learning and AI around the data and be able to create derivative products from it. That's wild. So as we're talking about this, my mind's going like, who is this person in the company that's like, able to process all this information. We have a lot of smart people in the company, honestly. And that's, I think, the next thing that I think part of the reason why we're here today is we're really focused on having, being surrounded by people that are also smarter than us in a lot of areas. I'm not the smartest in everything, and I, it's impossible for me to be. And so we just have to find people that are better at certain things than I am and Annie is and have them basically run the ship uh, in that department. So I do want to ask this. So you build a company, you know that OKRs, all these goals are extremely important. Do you feel like you could do it without setting goals and it could just happen? Or do you think it's like necessary in order to grow to like have like plan it out, like go for objectives, like plan out how you're going to achieve it? I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible for an individual running their own operation if they don't know where they're going they don't know what they're striving to right like it's it goes back to like that shiny object like oh this looks great let's do this today let's do that tomorrow we all have like daily things that come up in our lives that whether work or professional right that you're just like okay i'll just focus on this problem i'll solve and then i'll move on to doing whatever but no like you have like that one thing that we're all driving to as an organization like we're all focused on achieving this one thing whatever that one thing is and like we're all driven to do that when someone comes in your office and they're like hey can you do this like no like that's not part of my okrs right it's not part of my objectives like you have to say no to something personally and professionally to be able to reach there it's like um i forget the actual the saying but it's like if you don't know your destination are you gonna get there yeah exactly i really appreciate learning about your journey because i think it should give everybody that's listening to this like excitement or energy to be like, hey, I can do this too, right? Because you've you've sat you've sat here and just said, hey, I, it's not like I was given this business or it was perfect. You're yeah. saying, hey, we figured it out and we're continuing to figure it out. So this has been inspiring. Go out there if you're brand new. Go make a phone call, take action, and you know, one day you could be sitting here with Evo and Annie. Talk to you guys later. Yeah.